athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. It's another edition of Box to Row. I got you covered. I'm your host, Donald Ware. A lot to get to on today's program, as of course you've got it locked to Box to Row Radio. Also on Sirius XM, channels 141, 142, and 84. Some college football talk today here on the program. I want to talk about the initial rankings of the college football playoff. Gets me every year. I, I don't even, it, it's like every year. And I've got an issue with these year's rankings, and we'll talk about uh, the rankings. Joining us today here on Box to Row, former NFL great and current Tennessee State head football coach Eddie George. Eddie George going to join us on the program. Been looking forward to this conversation. Haven't been able to get our schedules together Tennessee State right now, if you look at the Tennessee State Tigers on a roll, having won four straight football games, started out very, very slow. Did the Tigers really come on the last four football games? So we're going to talk some Tennessee State football. We're going to talk some Titans football. We're going to talk some National Football League. We're going to talk some acting with Eddie George on today's program. So, you want to participate here on the program because like I said a lot of college football talk we'll talk some other things today here on the program hit me up via Twitter at box to row b-o-x-t-o r-o-w b-o-x-t-o r-o-w on my personal Twitter account at dware one at dware one let let me do this right now like I got to do this right now and then we're going to move on um we have been we have been away from Washington, D.C. We were on in Washington, D.C. since about 2008 up until last year. And because of some uh, some programming, we weren't on in D.C. Uh, for, I don't know, maybe, I guess it's been about a year now. Well, Box to Row makes its return to the nation's capital, Washington, D.C., on WHURHD3 and and uh, W and also WHBC we're so excited for this super excited for this to be on in Washington on WHURHD3 WHBC in Washington DC thank you for once again making box to row a part of your day so college football playoff 
So we've got Georgia at number one. No surprise there. Alabama at number two. I think, I mean, I think that's a bit of a surprise, right? I mean, I, I like you never can count Alabama out. Certainly by the time it's all said and done, provided that Alabama wins the rest of its football games. I mean, you got to figure it's going to be in the college football playoff. And to me, with the way that Georgia is playing and provided that Georgia stays undefeated when, when Georgia and Alabama meet in that SEC championship game, I think, you know, the way that this looks right now, and again, this is an early look, okay, it's plausible to me that even Alabama losing to Georgia, let's say, theoretically, in the SEC championship game, that Alabama could still make the college football playoff. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to happen. I mean, if I look at, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you the top four, but let me look outside of the top four right now. Um, you've got Ohio State at number five. I mean, Ohio State still has some tough games remaining, uh, including Michigan. Uh, you've got, I mean, Michigan seven right now. Like, that's that's interesting. But Oklahoma, to me, is that team. Like, I see Wake Forest at number nine. Like, Wake Forest is not going to get in uh, to the final four, even if it, re- it it wins its remaining games. And even if it has some teams lose ahead of it. Like, Wake Forest is not going to get in to the college football playoff with an undefeated record. I'm surprised that Oklahoma isn't at the very least higher up Oklahoma right now is at number eight right now Oklahoma had I mean listen Oklahoma I I, I get it people will look at the defense and say well it's not a great defense Um, you know you're playing in the big 12 Uh, the big 12 is 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 okay right I mean you got you know you've got some teams I mean you got Oklahoma State at number 11 Baylor is at number 12 so I mean you've got some teams that are playing some solid, you know, some solid football right now, okay? Um, But some will look at that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Oklahoma is undefeated right now. They got one of the – like, I had a chance to sit down and watch Caleb Williams play. Oh, I forget who Oklahoma was playing. It wasn't this past Saturday, but it was the Saturday before. And I'm watching um, Oklahoma play, and I'm like – Man, Oklahoma, uh, this kid, Caleb Williams, and by the way, big shots out, Caleb Williams is from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., our listeners on WHURHD3. I mean, this kid is unbelievable. They haven't haven't lost a single football game yet. It always, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be baffled, but listen, I look at Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati's undefeated. I don't think, unless... You have a group of five school that plays maybe out of conference three power five schools, and it can't just be the run of the mill power five school. It's got to be, you know, maybe let's say if if any given season, if Cincinnati plays three power five schools, okay, and two of those power five schools are ranked. And then Cincinnati or any 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 school like Cincinnati, that's a higher ranked team in terms of when you look at the AP poll. Is unless that happens and like an, uh, uh, Cincinnati or whomever can beat those teams and then win out regular season, 
we're never going to see a power. The way that the college football playoff is set up right now, you're never going to see a, a group of five school in the college rankings. It's just not going to happen the way it's set up right now. That's why I would be a proponent of expanding the playoffs uh, because, again, I mean, it, it's like you get to FBS, you got a lot of these schools more so lately. I, I would say maybe the last 10 to 15 years have made the jump from FCS to the FBS only to find out that you're still going to be locked out because the Power Five doesn't want you, doesn't consider considers you, in essence, if we were talking about college basketball where, okay, because even in college basketball, it's all Division One, right? They say, okay, it's all Division One, But no, we have mid-majors. We have mid-major schools. And now we're calling them the Power Five schools in all of Division One basketball. Same thing here, Group of Five. You're never, if you're a Group of Five school, you're never going to be in the college football playoff. And think about the scenario I gave you, a Cincinnati. Okay, now, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, right? No, Okay, so you got, um, excuse me, you got Power Five schools and or the Power Five conferences and Notre Dame, right? Cincinnati beat Notre Dame early in the season. Has played the schedule that is before it. The only thing you can do is play the schedule before you, right? And even in the BCS era, would talk a lot about Boise State. Boise State could only play the schedule before it. Boise State could open the season and play the likes of a Power 5 school, win that football game, only one of those games, right, play one of those games, win, win out, still wouldn't be part uh, in the conversation for the national championship. And you know why it, it, it never will happen for a Power 5 school? Because with my scenario, if a power five, if, if if a group of five school were to play three power five schools, let's say two of those power five schools were ranked, you win all three of those football games, win your schedule, go undefeated. Uh, could that get you in the college football playoff? Possibly, but it's never going to happen. You know why? Because the power five schools will n- more than likely are not going to schedule. And I know the schedules are made well in advance. I mean, I think, you know, the schedules are what, what at least, I mean, what, at least solidly, right? Like we've got schedules that are concrete six or seven years in advance. You got 10 years in advance on some schedules with either some home and homes or some guarantees or whatever the case may be. You're probably never going to get a, a group of five school that's going to play, uh, play ultimately three power fives in a season when the way that it's set up with four teams is ultimately not going to happen. Okay, so you have Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, number three, Oregon, number four, which was a bit of a surprise. And by the way, when I look at Oregon's schedule, the remainder of the season, out of the Pac-12, no less, Oregon's not doesn't have any um, top 25 schools remaining, right? So you mean to tell me, and this is what this is why I have a problem sort of with this ranking. You mean to tell me that if Oregon goes undefeated the rest of the season, okay, and let's say Ohio State doesn't lose a game, uh, Cincinnati's out of it. I mean, I'm sorry, but Cincinnati's out of it. Let's say Oklahoma goes undefeated, Michigan goes undefeated, and, of course, Georgia, Alabama. You mean to tell me that you're going to have Oregon in this top four when it's all said and done over an Ohio State who would have beaten Michigan? 
and uh, or maybe even a Michigan team, right? Well, it's kind of hard. I mean, Michigan would have beaten Ohio State, so that gives Michigan points, and Oklahoma would have been undefeated. You know, we've seen this happen before in the college football playoff where you get an initial ranking, and then all of a sudden there's like a flip-flop, and, you know, this happened to Baylor a couple of years ago. Like, I don't know, man. It's very frustrating to me. Um, Cincinnati deserves a shot, not going to get it, uh, but we'll ultimately see how things play out. So your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. I'd like your thoughts on the college football playoff. Still to come here on BoxToRow on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, Fayetteville State head football coach Richard Hayes, plus Eddie George, former He's going to join us on the program. But up next, we've already had a coaching casualty as Donald Hill Ely relieved of his duties as the head football coach at Alabama State. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timberlake Rowe, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom amongst four hundred of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky. Now back to from the press box to press row, Delaware. Right, because that's the way we roll. Donald Hill Ely out as the head football coach. At Alabama State took over the program midway through the season in 2015. As a matter of fact, that season finished 5-1-1. and one, won The Magic City Classic. But uh, I, I think when you go, and, and believe me, had he won the Magic City Classic this time around, he probably would still be the head football coach. I think that the way that this was looked at, um, not only was he 1-4, in the Classic, had lost four straight Classics. But Alabama A&M is down uh, a little bit this year. This isn't the same Alabama A&M football team, certainly that we saw in the spring, uh, particularly from an offensive uh, perspective, just throwing it all around the place, running it all over uh, the place. And I'll tell you, I am not a proponent of firing college football coaches during the course of the season. I mean, it'd have to be something egregious uh, that happened, something that was intolerable. I think, I mean, losing and firing a coach in the middle of the season to me is not intolerable. But but I think at the same time, Alabama State uh, did what it felt like it had to do. He had a sub-500 record as the head football coach there, 20 and 21 overall, and also – uh, not to mention uh, that not only a losing record in the 
uh, the Magic City Classic, but also uh, much more subpar or sub 500, if you will, uh, in the SWAC. Listen, did a lot of good things while he was the head football coach there, right? I mean, you know, he's come on this show and we we go back a long way, right, to his days as the head football coach at my alma mater, Morgan State. We've been talking and having him as a guest on the program since 2005, uh, the 2006 season. So I've known Donald Hill Ely a long, long time. If there's anybody that's an HBCU guy through and through, it's Donald Hill Ely. All about HBCUs, uh, all about working together, uh, and he's stated as much. Sometimes on the conference call, rather play maybe an HBCU game, uh, make some money that way than playing uh, in an you know an Auburn, for instance, which Alabama State played Auburn multiple times um, with Hill Ely at least this year, and then I think a couple of years also, or, or at least one other year with Hill Ely as the head football coach. There, he turned the program around immediately. Remember, he was the interim head football coach uh, that first year, got him an extension, and uh, but but. Uh, you know, has done some good things. I mean, Titus Howard, a first-round draft pick in the National Football League going back a couple of years ago. I mean, previous to Titus Howard, the last HBCU player drafted in the first round, you got to go all the way back to Dominic Rogers cormarty from Tennessee State back during the 2008 National Football League draft. So I think he did some, uh, some good things uh, while he was there. Um, but I mean, I guess that, you know, really not a guess. I mean, really at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. I think had he had a better record and and look, you can look at that magic city classic. I mean, it's, it's, you know, pound for pound, the same type of deal as a, uh, as a Ohio state, uh, and, uh, and Michigan game, right. Uh, as a, um, you know, as a grambling in Southern, as an A&T in North Carolina Central. Like, it's that kind of game. It, it's a rivalry game. It means everything. And if you're one and four, I mean, that's going to be of concern. And also, Alabama A&M down a little bit uh, this season after just, I mean, really, Alabama A&M had a really good season in 2019 and then a pretty, uh, obviously, a good season, a really good season to win undefeated uh, and won the SWAC and the HBCU National Championship. So, um, Travis Pearson takes over, uh, the defensive coordinator uh, takes over now as the head football coach at Alabama State, and we'll see. I mean, ultimately, who do you hire, right, if you're uh, moving forward? I mean, if, if moving forward, who do you ultimately hire as the head football coach there at Alabama State? I mean, do you look at... Uh, do you look at a guy like a Rod Reed, who was at Tennessee State, uh, had you know did well did well at Tennessee State uh, for the for the most part? I mean, I think if you look at the OVC, it's a it's a very tough conference, a much tougher conference. I think it was uh, even. I think it was like fifty one and fifty one. But remember, took uh, got an at large berth uh, for Tennessee State back in 2013 and won a first round FCS playoff game. That doesn't happen uh, very often that an HBCU A gets an at large berth, B uh, would win a first round game, but that in fact happened while Rod Reed was the head football coach there. But 
we'll ultimately see how that job uh, plays out there at Alabama State. I think it's a really good job, a really nice on-campus stadium. Um, it's just a nice campus. Uh, Alabama State University is a good school. So uh, we'll ultimately see how things play out there uh, at Alabama State. So taking a look at Week 10, and I looked at the Week 10 schedule, perused it um, a little bit. I mean, not a lot of really um, big games, not a lot. I mean, I think if you look at the Miles and Tuskegee game, um, the SIAC is still uh, uh, the Eastern, uh, the Western Division, that is, is still undecided. And this game, I, I believe the loser of this game is going to pretty much be knocked out of the SIC's Western Division. But we know that the CIAA's Northern Division is secured with uh, uh, Bowie State. We know that the CIAA's Southern Division is uh, is, um, is, uh, is 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 sewed up uh, right uh, with Fayetteville State. Um, you know, this when you look at the SWAC, I mean, uh, Jackson State is is about to sew that. Uh, that uh, division up. I mean, there's still a battle uh, in the SWAC's Western division. Uh, when you look ultimately um, at uh, Prairie View, A&M is undefeated in, in conference play, but Alcorn State still controls its own destiny. The two teams still have to meet that game uh, more than likely. I mean, I, you know, Southern has a bit of an outside shot, but that game is going to decide the SWAC's Western division. And in the MIAC, I mean, it's still too early to call. South Carolina State, Norfolk State is rolling. I mean, Norfolk State is playing about as well uh, as anybody right now. By the way, um, uh, you look at that team, Jawan Carter, the quarterback. I mean, he's playing. I, I like the way Shador Sanders is playing for Jackson State. Um, he's completing well in excess of 71, 70% of his passes. I think he had a couple of interceptions last week uh, against Valley. He's got like three on the season, but he's thrown, I think, 14 touchdowns, maybe 17, something like that. Um, but, man, Juwan Carter's playing some unbelievable uh, football for Norfolk State in helping to lead that program with Dawson Odoms uh, as the head coach in his first season there. So the, 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 certainly the MIAC is still very much up for grabs. Taking a look at the schedule um, a little bit, uh, Texas College is hosting uh, Southwestern Assemblies of God, right? That is a Sooner Athletic Conference matchup. Now, Bethune-Cookman is hosting Alcorn State. This is a game to be careful about. Alcorn State could still be a little bit vulnerable Having fallen to Southern on last week, probably a little bit unexpectedly. Meanwhile, Bethune-Cookman, while winless, is coming off a bye. And Terry Sims on the coach's call on Monday mentioned really getting back to the basics of football for the week prior to really taking a look uh, at Alcorn State. So, that's that. That's an inter. You know, and Alcorn State is a little bit vulnerable, and Alcorn State cannot afford to lose that football game. Alcorn State loses that football game. That'd be two losses. I think Prairie View A and M would have all but wrapped up the SWAC's Western Division. Alabama A and M is hosting Mississippi Valley State um, again. A and M, um, it's you know playing a little bit better, but Valley is playing some good football. Like I don't know if Valley can beat Alabama A and M. But I like the way Valley is playing right now. Lincoln of Missouri 
is hosting is on the road against Emporia State. Speaking of Jackson State hosting Texas Southern. Now, Texas Southern's putting a lot of points on the board, right? But that Jackson State defense is really, really good. And the offense we know has done well. Uh, I, I, it, the game is in Jackson. Like, I don't expect the Tigers to the Jackson State Tigers to lose. Uh, but, you know, certainly anything can happen. I think Texas Southern's going to be competitive in that football game. We talked about Miles and Tuskegee. If you're Bowie State, you're hosting Elizabeth City State, you want to get this win. Um, obviously, because playoff berth is at stake, you know you're going to play Fayetteville State in the uh, CIAA championship game, and you want to be leery because Elizabeth City State is is sneaky this year. It's got a couple of good wins, Winston-Salem State over Shawan, and uh, Bowie State doesn't want to get caught slipping looking ahead. A&T, North Carolina A&T is going to be uh, at Charleston Southern. Shawan hosts Lincoln of Pennsylvania. Hampton hosts Gardner-Webb. Johnson C. Smith hosts Livingstone. Kentucky State hosts Central State. St. Augs and Shaw get together. Uh, in that Raleigh Classic, uh, right? If you're Shaw, you want you can't win the division, obviously, of the CIAA um, South, but you want to end on the right note. Florida Memorial hosts Weber International. Arkansas Pine Bluff hosts Grambling. Langston going to look to rebound, hosting Arizona Christian. Prairie View A&M hosts Alabama State. Prairie View A&M's got to be careful as well. New coach, maybe a little bit of a resurgence amongst the players. You never know. That's a that's a tough game and, and uh, a game Prairie View should win, but Prairie View's got to be careful. Tennessee State, we're going to talk in the next segment with Eddie George, uh, the head football coach hosting UT Martin, Albany State in that Fountain City Classic against Fort Valley State uh, in Columbus, Georgia. Benedict is hosting Lane, Clark Atlanta hosting Morehouse right there, both teams in Atlanta. Uh, Fayetteville State is hosting Winston-Salem State. Uh, interesting game. That is a rivalry game right there. If you're Fayetteville State, you want to win and play well going into the playoffs. North Carolina Central is hosting Norfolk State. Interesting game. Norfolk, like I mentioned, is playing well, but uh, the, anything can happen in that game. MEAC matchup. South Carolina State hosting Howard. Virginia Union hosting Virginia State. West Virginia State on the road at West Liberty. Savannah State is hosting Edward Waters. The Tigers, the Savannah State Tigers, looking to win that game. They're in that conversation in the Division II regional for an at-large berth. And Southern is hosting Florida A&M. Um, you know, that's an old, old rivalry, uh, right? And it should be a good football game. Florida A&M is playing some good football, wants to continue that to keep its slim hopes alive in the Eastern Division. Division Southern has slim hopes in the West. Eddie George after this. Delaware on ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. What up, what up? Yo, 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 yo. Okay, KK. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his first season as the head football coach at Tennessee State. The Tigers 5-3 and three on the season, 3-1 and one in OVC play. As a matter of fact, winners of their last four ball games, ranked number five in the HBCU coaches poll, number eight in the media poll on Saturday. Got a tough opponent, UT Martin. Eddie George joins us here on Box to Row. Coach George, welcome to the program. Man, thank you for having me. The honor and the privilege to be speaking with you, my man. Absolutely. No, the privilege, believe me, the privilege is all ours. <laughs> and, I, you know, I got to start here. Like, I've been watching this team, and it, it, you got off to, you know, got off to kind of a slow start. 
right? But you've won four in a row, and you had to grind one out, really, this past weekend against Murray State. It's always a tough game. Even though Murray State may not be good record-wise, it's always a tough game. First of all, your thoughts on grinding that victory out against the Racers? Well, um, honestly, every game has been a grind-out game. (laughs) You know, nothing has been easy. We expected that game to be tough. You know, it doesn't matter what the records are in this conference. You're going to you're going to get me in a fist fight every single week because these teams are disciplined, they're well coached, um, they're fundamentally sound, they don't make a lot of mistakes, and it's going to be a fist fight no matter who you play. And um, that's kind of what I've learned in the, my short learning curve about this this conference. And you know, we were up 21 points, and with that being said, we we did some things the uh, self self-sabotage ourselves to put ourselves in a situation where they came back to make it a game. You know, four penalties on the defense that led to a, t- to a score, a quick explosive. And, uh, you know, those are the games where you, you got to put the teams away if you're a really good football team. But we were able to muster up a final drive. Our offense scored, and our defense made necessary stops at the end to, to do it. And, and I'm not mad at that. I think this, this is who we are at this point in time. And we're learning how to win games like that and, and, and to close out games. We're not yet a dominant team. We are a team that's uh, becoming physically tough, becoming um, smarter and better and more efficient and fundamentally sound, uh, but we're not a finished product yet. You know, wh- let me ask you this. What are you learning? Like, okay, you got eight games in, you know, three more remaining. You're, you are, in fact, in position to compete for the OVC crown. What are you learning about yourself as the head football coach at Tennessee State? Well, every week is different. For me, personally, it's stretching me uh, in so many ways from, from just from being a player to uh, being a businessman and now being a coach. I'm, I'm constantly uh, learning that it all starts with me. Um, I've got to set the tone. I've got to set the, the example um, it's not about the wins and losses, but I'm more or less preaching and teaching and holding these guys accountable on all the things that don't require talent, like being on time, uh, being prepared, uh, being passionate about your, your talents, you know, the, your focus, where's your focus, your character, your, you know, practice, preparation, teachability, all those things that uh, apply to life, and I'm coaching the person, making them a better person. And as a byproduct of that, you're going to get a better player, which leads to a better team. So our thing has been, you know, I, my idea of success is for us to become a team. There was a lot of individuals, a lot of uh, me-only type of things in terms of what am I going to get out of it, am I going to go to league and this and that. And I'm like, well, that's not it. In order to get what you want, we have to become a team. We have to die to your personal wants. And we become really, really harping on being selfless and having a sense of oneness and unifying the guys and, and fighting for a larger purpose. And week by week, they've been buying in, and the results have been leading to victories. Eddie George, in his first season as the head football coach at Tennessee State, joins us here on Box to Row, of course, former NFL great. And we'll talk more. Uh, about that. Uh, so taking this job, Coach George, why was Tennessee State, why was this the job for you? Um, well, I wasn't seeking a job to become a head coach. Uh, I want to be clear with that. 
Um, I had other things going on. I was approached uh, by uh, President Glover and Mickey Allen to become the head coach. And after really doing my due diligence and a lot of soul searching and praying on the opportunity, um, I felt like this was a calling for me. Coaching football was not, for me, um, something that I was looking to do. But when I looked at the opportunity, I, I, I live in Nashville. I live 15 minutes, 20 minutes away from campus. Um, had a ton of friends uh, and relatives come to Tennessee State. So I'm very familiar with the brand. I'm very familiar with the football team and, and the sports and so forth. Um, so from a logistic standpoint, in terms of me being here, I didn't have to move. Uh, two, um, I kind of felt like I had an idea of what this team needed and what the school needs and what this, with the guidance that, 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 that needed to be there, the, uh, the, um, the infrastructure that needed to be in place, uh, the facilities, you know, just a jolt in energy. And uh, I said, why not? You know, when do you wake up one morning and somebody's asking you to be a head coach with no coaching? You never had coaching experience. It doesn't happen every day at division one level, you know, right. and uh, this is something that I said, Hey, if, if, if I'm on my deathbed, is this something I look back on and have regrets about? And the answer was yes. And I said, well, let me go do it. NFL great in Tennessee state head football coach, Eddie George joins us here on the program. What do you have? Like, we, you know, saw uh, Devin Starling play in the spring and he was really, really good. First team all OVC. As a matter of fact, HBCU all American, uh, as well, and he's really come on, I, you know, maybe five, last five, four, five, six games or so. What do you have in Starling at the running back position? Well, you have a kid that's passionate about the game. He loves playing football, loves to learn, uh, eager to grow, and he is a multifaceted running back that can run, he can block, he can catch out the backfield. And that's where uh, I've been really pushing him to become more of is a downhill runner to uh, hit it between the tackles a little bit, um, a little bit more tenacity, getting north and south and challenging defenders. And that's the next level of, of his game that he'll have to, to have to master. Uh, but uh, I've seen him grow week to week. And when he gets going, you know, our offense gets going and it helps our passing game, it helps Jeremy Hickbottom, helps our tight ends and our offensive line. And um, when he's running behind his pads, he is tough to bring down in the open field. He's a slasher, but yet he has um, great power as well. You know, you mentioned Hickbottom uh, had some good moments at Grambling. How were you able to land him and talk about also what he's – a little bit more about what he's meant to this offense? A quick story about Jeremy. Um, when we were looking for quarterbacks, um, I got wind of Jeremy and asked me when to come up for a visit. Uh, in early this spring, and when he came up, he brought all of his stuff with him. So that told me that he was not planning on going back to Alabama. Um, he wanted to come. He wanted to stay. He he he, he uh, made a commitment to say, you know, I believe in the staff. I believe what we're, in what we're doing. And it was tough because he's having to learn a completely new offense, uh, he's having to learn a new language, uh, different concepts than he's accustomed to in a short period of time. And um, he was just, he's just been phenomenal in terms of his dedication, his commitment to getting it down, becoming a leader and, and gaining confidence and winning the locker room over. 
uh, in a short period of time has been really remarkable to see that. And he's been doing it with his arms and his legs. Um, and he's growing week to week. So we as coaches got to put him in the, the best position to succeed. And Jeremy has the platform and the tools to go out there and get the job done for us just as he, like he has been. Last couple of thoughts. Uh, Ed, again, Eddie George joins us here on the program. What do you remember most about playing uh, for the Tennessee Titans? To your point, you're still right there uh, in Nashville, some winning times, a trip to the Super Bowl, uh, and, and then more specifically playing with Steve McNair. Um, I, I don't think about it as much as I used to. Uh, I'm in a new phase of my life. I'm in a big part of my life. Uh, fans still remember me. Um, I have the opportunity to play our home games in the stadium. So that brings some positive vibes. I feel comfortable being there. The place I haven't lost a lot of ball games as a player and now as a head coach. And that's something that I preach is that we defend our home. But certainly, the, you know, the Titan fan base has grown and is very supportive and uh, enthusiastic about the future of the Tennessee Titans. And to be a part of that, you know, regime and bringing – football to Middle Tennessee and to see where it's grown uh, has, has been remarkable, um, something that I'll never forget. So I guess I look at that part of my life in a, a different capacity. And, you know, now there isn't a day that I don't go by when I don't think about Steve McNair. I mean, he's, he's always, in my mind, he is he's still alive and just in another realm. You know, he's just not his physical presence in here, but his legacy, his spirit still lives on. Um, I was just watching him today, actually. I was showing our players uh, just clips of, of championships being won, and, and one of them was the Rams beating us in Super Bowl uh, 34 in 1999-2000 season. And it was the last drive where Dyson is stretching out for the goal line, and they show the confetti in the sky, and uh, they show us on the – the, the downside of losing, my, my point was that you never know when you're going to get there. This is a special moment for us as a team. you got to take advantage of every moment. You can't assume that since you're in the position now that you'll be in the next year after you look around. Some of these guys won't even be in this, in this room due to graduation, due to new opportunities, or whatever that may be. This is a special group. And I played with a special guy and a special group during those times. And you've got to smell the roses. And you've got to seize the day and seize the moment and uh, embrace and love on your, your teammates and enjoy this together. That's, that, that was my point. And uh, for me, you know, Steve was everything. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, so upcoming game, UT, and very well said, UT Martin. Thoughts on UT Martin? Uh, tough, physical team. They can play uh, any way you like it. You know, they come from behind, you know, where they're down by 10 points, 15 points, 16 points, or up by 30. Uh, they know how to close out games. They know how to win uh, under pressure. The quarterback is phenomenal. He's infallible. A guy that, that makes plays with his arm and his legs in key moments. They win situational football. The defense, uh, very aggressive. Uh, they've added some, some players in the, in the spring that, that makes them uh, more challenging. Uh, special teams-wise, they are very sound and efficient in what they do. And they are a ranked team for a reason. You know, they have one loss for a reason. This is going to be a great barometer for us as a team to see where we are and how we measure up. And this is for the number one spot. 
you know. So we're going to go in there with a great game plan. We understand it's going to be a slugfest. It's something that we know and we expect. And we're going to go in there, put our best foot forward, and let the chips fall where they may. Absolutely. Then last thought. See, I know you were getting into the acting thing, right? Then you had to go take this uh, this this head coaching job at Tennessee State. So we're not going to – you know, I don't know. How how much will we uh, be able to see, I don't know, in the offseason in terms of doing some thespian work? <laughs> you never know, man. I may do a couple table reads here and there, you know. Uh, but for the time being, I had to put up scripts for now and, and can't get on the boards and you know I'll, I'll probably bring some of my material to work and use it on the team for motivational speaking <laughs> <You know. laughs> good stuff eddie georgia gated his first season as the head football coach at tennessee state the tigers five and three on the season three and one in ovc play uh, on the road on saturday at ut martin as Eddie George, again, former National Football League great, joins us here on Box to Row. Coach George, an absolute pleasure. Continued success to you and the Tigers. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Coach George. Fayetteville State head football coach Richard Hayes is up next. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Rowe, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving two million dollars away to the bottom amongst four hundred of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at Marjorie's Beef Jerky. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Fanville State Broncos are ranked number nine in the HBCU media poll. 7-1 on the season and on Saturday. Going to host Winston-Salem State. The Broncos have already punched their ticket to the CIAA championship game. And in his sixth season as the head football coach of the Broncos is Richard Hayes as he joins us here on Box to Row. What's going on, Coach Hayes? Hey, man, how you doing? I appreciate you for having me on. Absolutely, man. It's always a pleasure to have you. I mean, we, you know, listen, we've done this almost ever since you've been a head football coach because you guys are just winning. I mean, you wrapped up the CIAA North 2017, 18, 19, and now in 21. That's four straight years. Obviously, we didn't have uh, the season last year. But just on your thoughts on where your team currently sits and how you are you all are playing right now. Well, I feel like we still haven't uh, reached our peak. I feel like we still have plenty of room left to grow within this season. Uh, the guys are really responding well on both sides of the ball. Of course, you know we have a new offensive coordinator in Calvin Randall and a new defensive coordinator in Dominique Anderson and a whole entire new defensive staff. So I just think the guys are adjusting to the coaches and 
and following the rules and doing everything right and trying to win the CIAA championship this year. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. For you, when those regional rankings uh, came out and, and, and Fayetteville State was nowhere to be found in the top ten, the top seven move on uh, to the rankings, uh, did that bother you? Were you surprised by that? No, I wasn't surprised at all. Um, I know they look at the strength of schedule and performance indicators and things like that, and I know our strength of schedule is, is a little low at this time. So, you know, I just told the kids, man, don't worry about that. If we just keep winning, keep playing, we'll be fine, and they'll have to recognize us sooner or later. You know, when we've talked over the years, we've talked over the years, and, and you know, the, you all, the offense was always pretty good, right? But the defense, mm-hmm. eh, not so much. Can't yeah. say that now. Like, when you look at the numbers, I mean, teams only averaging 91 yards uh, in terms of rushing per game and averaging, what, like less than 120 yards passing? I mean, this defense yeah. is taking a is, – it's like a 360 turn. Well, for the past couple of seasons, our defensive guys have, have really started to turn it on and understand what we wanted from the defense. Um, they've been together for now for four years, five years almost, so they should understand at this time what, what we're looking for and – and where we're trying to go and where you should be within the defensive scheme. Um, again, it's just a matter of those guys growing up together, playing four years together. I have um, 20 seniors that are about to play that final game this week and just looking forward to sending them out on top. Keyshawn James, I mean, he's got to be the front runner right now uh, for defensive player of the year. He's got 20 tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks. He's forced four fumbles. He's got 58 tackles on the season from that defensive end position. How special a player is he? Well, he's actually been playing defensive tackle all year, so that makes it even more special that he fights off double teams and still on a weekly basis, and he's still able to put up those kind of numbers uh, from the defensive line interior spot. So he's a very special kid, very powerful, can dominate a football game at at a moment's notice, and I'm just glad he's on my team. Yeah, has he always been an interior guy? Uh, no, he's played in for us in the past, but this year he's been interior. That the voice of Richard Hayes in his sixth season as the head football coach of Fayetteville State. He joins us here on Box to Row. This this game is sort is sort of a tricky one, if you will. Like Winston, it's a rivalry. Like Fayetteville State and Winston's a rivalry. You know this all well as a former assistant coach, certainly at at, at Winston Salem State. Your thoughts, your concerns maybe that you have about the Rams? Well, I know Coach Massey and his staff, you know, they have a a, a pretty good football team over there. It might not say so record-wise, but when you look at the video, um, they have some talent out there. And, and it's just a matter of those guys believing in themselves and believing in what those coaches are teaching them. And, it, and you know, that's why they say that's why you got to play the game. And on any given Saturday, somebody can come in and whoop you. Yeah, for you, can you speak to being able to tr- sort of transform uh, really this program? I think first year was like four and six, and then pretty much you've been on a roll from there. Yeah, it's kind of been, you know, it's not been me alone. My athletic director, Anthony Bennett, and, and our administration has supported the football program, and we've tried and tried to, you know, find the right recruits and the right guys that fit our style of football and, and what we need to do to be successful on and off the field. And and we've done a pretty good job of that, you know. Even with the the the, uh, the the exit of several coaches within our staff over the years, we've still been able to maintain it. Um, so I'm pretty pleased with where we are at this point. Richard Hayes, the head football coach at Fayetteville State, joins us here 
on the program. What do you have in your quarterback in 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 uh, Curry Lane? I mean, if you look at the numbers, he's completing sixty six percent of his passes. He's almost at two thousand yards. He's got nineteen touchdowns to just four interceptions on the season. Well, Kahari Lane is a, he's a true student of the game, man. He studies a whole bunch of film, man. He stays on the field after practice. He's out there. For, we practice at 7 a.m. He's out there at 4 p.m. every day uh, throwing by himself into the net, always working on and trying to get better, man. And, and you know, he's not turning the ball over. That's one of the big keys that I see. The differences that I see is that we're not we're not throwing interceptions in bad moments in, within games, and he's really managing our offense the way we wanted it to be managed. You know, for you, I mean, you're getting you're getting this opportunity uh, as the head football coach again. I mentioned six seasons. Well, let me ask you: Does it seem like it's been six seasons? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting older and older, older by the minute. <laughs> wow! But I mean, you're getting this opportunity. Like you, you, you paid your dues, right? You've been an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. You've been a defensive coordinator. You've paid all mm-hmm. the dues, and you're getting this opportunity now. Um, you know, a little bit later in life, can you? you know, sort of speak to that. And, and sometimes when it's your moment, it's your moment and you see, or you are now seizing that opportunity. I'm definitely a, a very appreciative of the opportunity that was given to me. Um, I feel like, you know, you, you build relationships with people over the years and, and some relationships tend to grow. And my athletic director, Todd Bennett and myself, uh, we formed a, a very good working relationship at Winston-Salem State. And uh, when he, you know, it just carried over to Fayetteville State. We both experienced the Division Two playoffs and what it took to get there, and and winning the CIAA championship. And we just wanted to come to Fayetteville State and kind of mimic some of that success. Last couple of thoughts with Richard Hayes, the head football coach at Fayetteville State. So you've been in this position before, where you've wrapped up the CIAA Southern Division prior uh, to that last game. This is the case again. Uh, this year does that experience and having done this a couple of times uh, help you with perhaps a little bit of maybe complacency with uh, with the guys not maybe not complete that's not the right word maybe the guys looking ahead to that CIAA championship game where of course you're going to face Bowie State well that's one of the things we've talked about we've been in this situation before Um, it didn't go so well for us in 2018 uh, we we had wrapped the CIAA Southern Division up a week prior to playing Winston-Salem State, and then they came in and put 51 points on us, um, and, and they were having a subpar season. So it's kind of deja vu with them and the, and the season that they're having and us already clinching it. Um, but we really want to close this season out on top. We want to finish the CIAA conference record 7-0. and We want to go into the championship game on a seven-game winning streak, and that's what our goals are at this time. Richard Hayes again in his sixth season as the head football coach of Fayetteville State joining us here on Box to Row. The Broncos have already wrapped up the CIAA Southern Division, going to face Bowie State in a couple of weeks uh, in the CIAA championship game. But first up, Winston-Salem State comes to Fayetteville, North Carolina on Saturday. Coach Hayes, appreciate the time. Continued success to you and the Broncos. Hey, I appreciate you for having me, Donna, man. Continued success to you as well, brother. Doing a great job. Appreciate it, Coach Hayes. Richard Hayes, the head football coach at Fayetteville State, joining us here on the program. In the last remaining minutes that we have, and the game last night between Delaware State and Morgan State was on ESPN2. Morgan looked a thousand times better than it did against Howard. It was actually the Howard game 
was very embarrassing, I think, for the Bears. And the Bears did a 360 between that game to the game last night. Now, if you're Delaware State or if you're a Delaware State fan, that is a really bad loss for a couple of different reasons. Number one, anything could happen, right? Like you got to figure it's going to be Norfolk State and South Carolina State. But with only one loss by Delaware State, still a possibility to win the MEAC crown. That's now out of the window. But number two, you were having such a great season. It was a time to take another step to being above 500 for the first time in a long time. And the Hornets could not take that step. I, th- I mean, listen, I think the Hornets are still having a, re- a good season, but boy, it was going even better before the Morgan State loss. Uh, and also, by the way, if I might add, uh, if you thought that the MEAC was going anywhere, uh, I-, I don't think so. Like, all of the talk about the MEAC going somewhere and disbanding and teams leaving and all that kind of stuff, I mean, I think that you can see that the football is still good. You can see... Obviously, what happened last night, the game was on ESPN2. More importantly, the MEAC, and and this has always been the case, and probably even more so than in the SWAC for all those that want to compare the SWAC and the MEAC. The MEAC has been, has, has pretty much always been, and is still on good financial footing. And that is one of the more important things. And uh, so I don't think the MEAC is going anywhere listen i gotta get ready to run don't forget about the hbcu scoreboard on our website at box thank you to richard hayes thank you to eddie george for joining us today on box to row and always remember to support those that support yo box to row on espnu radio on sirius xm is produced by dw communications